When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Grace to all of you and peace from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Great and glorious and almighty God, we praise you for this Easter season, this continuing celebration of resurrection and new life. We thank you, almighty God, that you have opened our own tombs, that you have set us free from the fear of death itself. Give us courage now to go into the world to accomplish your purposes to work for your kingdom as your disciples and servants. In Jesus' holy and blessed name we pray. Amen. Well, today our gospel lesson, as you just heard, is the story that is sometimes called the Doubting Thomas story. We are exactly one week after the resurrection. The disciples, again, are in the upper room. The door is locked shut. The shutters have come down. They're there in the darkness. Jesus comes, stands in their midst, holds out his hands for Thomas, shows them his wounds, and Thomas responds by saying, My Lord and my God. Years ago, when I was taking a class on medieval history and theology, our professor showed us by slide a picture, a painting, from the Renaissance of that scene. It still captures my imagination. I'll describe it for you. The painting on the right side has Jesus. He's holding out his hands, and you can see the wounds. Jesus is smiling, and somehow the artist has been able to portray a kind of glow coming from inside Jesus out to the room. The rest of the room is dark. Remember the Shutters are down, the door is locked, there are no lights in the room. The disciples are around the outside in the shadows. You can just barely make them out. They're all watching the scene as it proceeds. 
Thomas is right next to Jesus on his knees looking up at Jesus' face. He is reflecting some of the glow that's coming from Jesus. And Thomas has his hands together in this prayer posture. Palms together, looking up to Jesus, reflecting Jesus' glow. The professor had us just look at the painting for a while. And then said, there is something odd about this painting. Can you tell us what it is? We sat in silence, and to, ha to make dramatic effect, he said, it has to do with that prayer posture of palms together. It's, he taught me a new word. He said, it's an anachronism, something out of place in time and history. An anachronism is something that would not have happened in the Middle Ages, in the Renaissance period. Jews in Jesus' first century would not have prayed like this. They would have prayed with hands open to the presence of God. This prayer posture, which we still use today, is taken from the feudal period he taught us. And it was when a vassal, a servant, forms an allegiance with a lord or a lady. The vassal will get down on his or her knees, hold up palms like this, and the Lord or lady would place hands over the vassal's hands. And there would be a commitment made. And the vassal then is committing his or her life to a lifetime of service at the direction of the Lord or lady. And on the other side, the Lord or lady would then be protector of this vassal. The professor said, okay, now, do you get the theology that's in this painting? And again, we sat like, oh. <laughs> and he made us sit there in silence for a little while and then he explained he said the painter is a good theologian because what he's doing here is teaching us that Thomas not only believed that Jesus was alive he gave his life to follow Jesus he became Jesus vassal servant to engage the world with action and the professor went on to explain that our faith can have different layers. In fact, our faith should have different layers. The initial layer has to do with what we think, with our minds. It has to do with our doctrine and our theology, how we interpret scripture, how we absorb knowledge. That's the initial layer of faith, and that's the way the disciples work. They were in the upper room a week earlier. They had met Jesus. They knew he was alive. But isn't it interesting that they did not open their windows or their doors? They kept themselves locked in that upper room. Even though they knew Jesus was alive, Jesus being alive did not affect their life that much. It affected their heads. They knew Jesus was alive. But it didn't change them too much. professor went on to say that the second layer of a faith journey includes how it changes us personally. It has to do with our personal piety. It has to do with our virtue. It has to do with how we overcome the difficulties of our life with the power of Christ in our life. The third step is symbolized by getting down on knees and putting hands up like this. It's a symbol, I will become active in the world. 
I'll be involved in the world. I will do the work of the kingdom of God in the world. This past week, as you all know, was the anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. This past Wednesday. Martin Luther King Jr. understood those layers of a faith life. And he would often say of especially white Protestant clergy, you do a great job, clergy, in helping people in that first initial layer of faith. You teach well, you have good doctrine, you study the Bible. You are very clear in how you understand the message of Jesus Christ. Compliments. Me, I guess, I'm white clergy. And he would say, you mainline clergy, you also do a great job in teaching people personal piety, how this faith can change you personally. You can be going a certain direction in life and you change. And that's wonderful and I applaud you for encouraging people to virtue and to live out their life of faith with compassion and kindness to the world around them. But King would say, you miss a third layer of faith and that is service in the world, making a difference in the world, acting in the world, doing the work of the kingdom. I read some Martin Luther King's works this past week and it humbled and inspired me and you're getting <laughs> the remnants of those readings because it's meant to inspire you too that our faith is supposed to be with our heads like those disciples in the upper room they knew Jesus was alive it also changes us personally it also causes us to engage the world and if you want to know what it means to engage the world to act on behalf of of Jesus Christ as our Lord we would look at scripture and just read the New Testament when we are commanded to feed the hungry to clothe the naked to house the homeless to heal the sick to comfort the grieving to be peacemakers to forgive those who persecute us to love our enemies to take those instructions seriously and to do them At the end of the class, the professor simply let us sit there and look at the painting. Ten minutes, maybe. We don't look at art very well in the 21st century. We look at a painting, and then we look at another painting, and then we look at another painting. Or we look at a pyramid, and then we look somewhere else. Instead of Absorbing it all. He let us absorb that painting. And by doing that, we all came to understood, understand in that class that the painting wasn't so much about Thomas. It was about us. That we were Thomas. And that when we're confronted by the presence of Almighty God in the form of Jesus Christ, and we go down on our knees and hold out our hands in prayer posture. We are making a statement that Jesus is our Lord. And it changes us personally. And it changes our action in the world. So much so that we fling open the doors and the windows. And we step out with courage and not fear. Such is the gospel message this day. One last thing. You all saw him 
with the candle that I held for him. And he was already starting to reflect that light in his life. And you family members here are called and challenged with the responsibility to teach him just what I shared with you today. To teach him what it means to be Jesus as Lord. It's more than belief. It's more than personal piety. It is changing the world for the better. Amen.